Ho, 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 and welcome to episode 37 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, the only podcast where Mark, Sarah, and a drunken Rudolph talk about songs. And who you calling a ho? <laughs> I am your host, Mark Blankenship, and with me, as always, is the top name on the nice list, Sarah D. Bunting. Oh, that's a first. Thank you, Mark. Hello. And today, as you might have guessed by my very subtle jokes, we're going to be taking a tour through some of our favorite and least favorite Christmas songs. And the decision that we made in uh, choosing these songs was fairly simple. We both chose two songs that we liked, two songs that we didn't like. Uh, roughly, two of them are, some of them are a little older, some of them are a little newer. Like, basically, it was just pick two you like, pick two you don't like. Yeah. And um, I feel like, let's, without further ado, Sarah, I invite you to, to just kick it off. Okay. Um, I have an extensive list. Uh, readers of my blog at tomatonation.com probably remember my extended rant from probably 10 years ago now about uh, Christmas songs that I didn't like. And you may be surprised that some of those entries, uh, mostly former Beatle related, <laughs> are not going to appear on this episode, but I did uh, bitch about Bruce Springsteen's version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Um, it is interminable. It is unpleasant to listen to. Uh, let's suffer through a clip of it now, and you'll see what I mean. like this song anyway um and this song is i think a lot of my um animus towards it uh has to do with my quote-unquote having to like it because i'm from new jersey mm -hmm. so i don't know if this was like a national thing where at um the holidays pop stations would play this song all around the country like every hour or if that was only a New York area thing. Oh, I mean, I heard it growing up, but I wouldn't say it reached saturation the way that Amy Grant's Tender Tennessee Christmas did, for instance. Where I, grew up. I never heard of that. And I feel like I might have been a marginally happier person not knowing that existed. Yeah. Tender yeah. Tennessee Christmas. The name says it all. That's, anyway, that sounds it sounds like a chicken extruded chicken product. Um, anyway. I think this is supposed to be like charmingly raffish and like not amateurish, but just like they're joking around and everyone's wearing a Santa hat during mm. the show. And, you know, big man's going to play the saxophone, but the saxophone solo goes on forever. Like, 
God bless Clarence Clements, R.A.P., etc. But uh, just no thanks. Like all of it is no thanks. And the song begins. <laughs> the song begins like December 11th, and then it's still going on by like Valentine's Day. Get on with it, like little Stephen. Please go and plug something. And then Bruce is just screaming, and you can hear the polyps forming. I just. I, I hate it. I hate this song. I will. It's almost as bad as Cars for Kids. I will lunge at the radio console to get it turned off. Um, That's Cars with a K. Yes. For kids. Donate your car today. Like, learn scansion. Then donate your fucking car. That's a different podcast. Uh, Mark, do you have strong feelings about... Well, listen, I don't like it either. Santa Bruce coming and to town. I, the, one of the things that I do not like is when anyone especially famous people tries to make a big show about how much fun they're having and how mm-hmm. relaxed and approachable they are. I hate mandatory fun. I hate the performance of fun. And I feel like this song is the performance of fun. Now, maybe in their minds and their hearts in the moment of recording, they were having a great time. But to me, it all seems very, look at us. We're having a great, it's kind of like when an adult is explaining something to a child, but in a way that's for the other adults to hear, so that the adult will say, do you not know how to tie your shoe? I'll show you it's important for people to know how to tie their shoes. And you can tell because of the timbre of their voice that they are trying to talk to you about how silly kids are instead of trying to have an actual conversation with the kid. Yes. So I feel like that this song and other songs like it are the same thing, where they're trying to demonstrate to us how loose and and, and wacky and fun they are, rather than just having some goddamn yeah, fun. Yeah, but it's like this fugazi hardiness that you're like, leave yep. it out. Yeah. And I also am not a big fan of the endless jam session, especially at a Chris, at Christmas time when everybody else has to. We all got things to do. Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Wrap it up. <laughs> now, as it were, <laughs> along those lines. I actually found myself at a bit of an existential crossroads with the assignment that we gave ourselves for this episode because I was thinking, God, what do I actually want in a Christmas song? And I, just for a matter of my own sanity, chose to only select pop songs, uh, pop Christmas songs. I'm not choosing Uh any carols, hymns, sacred music, whatever, because, oh my God. Fair enough. But but I I take it, and I, I feel I must mention... My husband, Dan, is not super happy that uh, the little drummer boy was excluded from our formal Mastus Wrath. And I said, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure neither of us enjoys the little drummer boy. Not especially. But, but, you know, and like, but then there are songs that I love Oh Holy Night for a God, variety of reasons. But, you know, just to sort of keep my own, to, to avoid having choice paralysis, I yes. gave myself from arbitrary uh, restrictions. Anyway, then I started to think about, well, one of the things that I don't like in a Christmas song is overtly crass commerciality. I understand that modern Christmas is all commercial in, a, in one way, shape, or form. Nobody releases a Christmas album and then gives it away for free. You right. know, there's all a commercial undertone, and everybody's trying to think about songs that will get played at the mall, and they can get those residuals. And sure. I understand that, right? But there are, there's, I still feel like that even if, even when that is true, that there are places in Christmas music for the things that I look for in Christmas, not okay. being overtly or especially religious, I still look for a sense of sincerity. I look for a sense of genuine kindness. I look for a sense of 
the value of being caring. And if that makes me a emotional generosity, I look for emotional generosity. I look for that in my life all along. But damn it, this is the one time of year when we're all supposed to be on the same page about that. So that's why I just don't care for sarcasm. I don't like a sarcasm in a Christmas song, and I also don't like <laughs> unrepentant materialism, which is why I hate the song "Santa Baby" so much. Here's a clip. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. And like, this is one of those songs that I Here, really... I have oh. to say, I was not aware this was one of your hated songs. Like, I looked at your list and I was like, I, I hope I'm right about this Aguilera break. We'll, we'll get to her. <laughs> and I was. But, uh, and I knew that and I knew one of the other ones, but then the other two, like Santa and Elton, I was like, which of these is going to be which? I'm not sure. Anyway, well, now you know. Yes, well, I do. Thing. This is a song that I assumed I liked because I just have known it for so long. Mm -hmm. But knowing and liking are not the same thing. There's a Madonna version of this song that I also hate. Just because I find this song, I find the lyrics to this song just so off-putting. And I also hate... The, the way that Eartha Kitt sings this song. I know that everybody's supposed to be all up in Eartha Kitt's titties and being like, I love this coy sex kitten thing that you've done. You're the best cat woman, whatever. whatever. Yeah, she well. was very, very talented. But I, I hate the self-conscious uh, cutesiness of the way she sings this. It has also encouraged everyone else who has ever performed this song to treat it with the same overt, annoying self-conscious cutesiness yeah like, like i'm just a helpless kitten buy me shit it, uh, yeah mink and it's just i i just find it repugnant and i i i feel like goody blankenship in a way but i just feel like no i don't want to hear you just list all of this stuff and i know it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek and it's from a different era when like mad men was had i don't care i don't want it i don't want it and also stop singing at me like you're an arrested development little girl hoping that daddy will give her a cute spanking underneath a christmas tree um, this is the only arrangement of it I can even stand a little bit because it's got that vintagey feel. Uh, so I'm okay. I'm okay with that part of it. Um, but everything else that's going on with it, it's in that same class as I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Like that's, yep. this isn't cute. None of this is cute. Yeah. When the song came out, people were dumber. That's fine. Now we've all smartened up that it's not actually fucking Santa. And don't be such a creepy voyeur, kid. Go back to bed or you're, you're going to get thrown a beaten. Like, just stop playing the song. It's gross. Like, I don't get it. What's daddy going to say? Daddy's going to hammer you head down into the lawn for being out of bed before he is on Christmas morning. If he's half a dad. 
That's all I'm trying to say. Yep. You can get up to pee, but until you smell banana bread, feet <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> My way is the right way, and that's it. Um, <laughs> until you smell banana bread. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you how it was, how it is, and how it's got to be. Did you smell banana bread? No, no, no. Atari for you. No light bright mm-hmm. for your sister. Oh, you can stop crying. I know. Get get a pair of pull-ups. Work it out. Stay in that bed. Your father is taking one bite out of the cookie See, to make it look good. These songs have made us angry, and this I is know. Christmas time. No, no, Eartha. I no, I saw mommy kissing whoever. No, no Bruce. No, Bruce. No. I think let's on a happier note, and I think I'll choose my positive selection first, as I feel that yours is probably a bit more emotional. For both of us. I will say that... Yeah, this segue is going to get a little rocky, so buckle up, folks. But for me, a song that I love, and I chose this song as one as one of my uh, favorites because I just uh, don't hear it that much, and I really like it. And it's Elton John's Step Into Christmas. Let's hear a bit now. Okay, and if I'm being honest with you, one of the reasons I like this song is that it doesn't. It, it could be any Elton John song from the '70s. It just yeah, happens it, to it be. Yeah, it really could. It just happens to have the word Christmas in it. But I just really think that the the groove on this song is really good, and it's like an example of that moment in Elton John's career when everything was working. He hadn't become super saccharine yet, and he wasn't. Uh, it yet. wasn't the Too Low for Zero album where he's like. How did my marriage not work out? And exactly. literally the entire world is like, really, girl? <laughs> exactly. So I just think that this song is a lot of fun. And I feel like one of the things I do like in a Christmas pop song is when someone's not trying to be overtly, overtly, I'm sorry, when someone's not trying to be overly revenant towards uh, the the Christmas spirit or whatever. And like, I know I just said before that there are things I want in a Christmas song, but I think that you can get at those things without being schmaltzy Mm -hmm. and i think that this song is bouncy and fun and it puts me in a good mood and if i am say laden down with packages at the food court just trying to get like one crystal hamburger before i head back to the car crystal Mm -hmm. is from the southeast where i'm from holler holler this song will help me tap my toe a little bit as i wait in that line i don't know that's 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 my story on that i never heard this song before so that was fun yeah um (laughs) This, yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but actually I think I do know why, which is that it's, um, like, if you th- threw this, the bitch is back and Philadelphia Freedom in a blender, and then you played the resulting blend, it would just sound the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is not a bad thing. I like all those songs, but, well, actually, Philadelphia Freedom, thumbs down. <laughs> but, yeah, this was like... I enjoyed this just because it was like something different. And it's also, here's what I like about particularly pop dudes. 
taking on Christmas songs, like whether they're writing a new one or taking on a standard. Right. They don't feel this pressure to like fucking buttercream frosting, like huge tower of vibrato every single fucking note to prove that they're like the Christmassiest. Exactly. Oh my God. It's the, yeah, it's the Clay Aiken, Michael Buble yeah, like, model. Just sing it motherfucker right like, oh holy night which we've mentioned like the like the temptation to just curly cue the hell out of that and it was like actually this is we would sing it every year in my high school chorale and there was always a soloist down front very nervous it was always a senior she mm-hmm. often wasn't the most talented but this was her time now to do this <laughs> i've written about this before too and i'm way we're arranged in a star shape on the bleachers i'm way over back left because i'm basically a baritone and my whole section is like actively praying because if she craps out we can't save her because our voices don't go that high right so she's she's singing and then like there would always be the shower of sparks off the first high note and then she would finally like get her feet under her, and then it was the chorale's time to come in, and we would be so relieved that whatever Katie or Betsy had not fucked it up or vomited on anyone, that we would just release this sonic boom, and we performed it in French for some reason, New Jersey. Like just people diving out of the way, like this just huge rolling thunder of relief that we're like, thank God, now we could do something. Yeah. It's just a very, it's a difficult song to sing, as it is. Well, similarly, actually, we're recording this on Sunday, December 4th. And on Saturday, December 3rd, I went to hear the Empire City Men's Chorus, which is a gay man's chorus here in New York City, do their annual Christmas concert. And their version of Oh Holy Night was so beautiful, it really did bring me to tears. For one thing, because it was in this beautiful church, and it was all these gay men of different ages and ethnicities doing something that was very much about claiming the beauty of spirituality, which is something that as gay men, maybe you, uh, there's always going to be a time in your life when you're told you don't get to have access to that. And instead right. these really beautiful gay male voices were singing the song, but they sang it so simply and there was no Buble Aguilera on <laughs> no it. No Bubleing. No oh. Akening. And uh, yeah, so I do agree with you that when someone like Elton John is just like, I don't need to prove to you that I am like the most Christmassy, I, I appreciate that as well. Yeah, that it's like, this is how he feels about Christmas and it's kind of jazzy and poppy and it's not, it doesn't have to be like a whole, like um, technicals, like in figure skating that it's yeah. like, watch me shave this little eight shape in the ice. Like, no, we yeah. believe you. We know your name already. So now let's, uh, now that we've gone through our first round, Oh, wait. oh, no, I'm sorry. We haven't. I think that you need to tell us about a song that you like, Sarah. Um, this is a hymn. Uh, it's called Lo How a Rose Are Blooming. Um, this is another one that we would perform every year in the chorale. I've never found this exact arrangement, but this one, um, which is sung by the Catholic Choir, directed by Richard Prulks. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um it is an acapella version. It does have the same syncopation as the arrangement that we used to do. And uh, this is one of my favorite songs uh, ever for any time of year. So let's listen to a clip and then we can talk a little bit about it. To show God's love 
give us a little bit of the third verse because at least at my church you sang the first two and that was it uh there is something uh very sad about this hymn um especially that verse where it's sung very quietly and they're talking about uh you know the rose at at midnight and sort of this tiny flame in the vast darkness but this hymn always seems to contain to me the entire secret of Jesus, which is not just that he came to save us, but that he had to die to do it, and that that's all already here in this hymn. Most uh, Christmas hymns are like, you know, Isaiah has been talking about this for a while, and now finally the Savior has showed up, and now we can start the clock and, you know, be, be saved and have there be hope. But there is, as there are in all, you know, great mythic stories, this tragedy at the center of it, the sort of um, sand that forms the pearl that you don't usually hear in Christmas hymns that is, that is in this um, hymn, and that, that, like, hope but also heaviness of heart together, I just find it so beautiful, on top of the fact that this arrangement is gorgeous and there's something about all the parts coming in uh at different times but then winding up in that uh resolved chord that mm. is like the story of us somehow um mm. and uh i heard this we went to church you know christmas eve of 2001 and uh we sang we sang this hymn and uh, I just remember thinking, I just remember thinking, like, how how do human beings keep going, like, holding hope and um, dread in their hearts together mm. this way? Um, mm. I know it's just a song, but I just, I think it's beautiful. It It has a quality of, like, extremely cold, starry night to it that... I don't know. It's beautiful. It's, I think, maybe one of my five favorite songs of all time. Um, yeah, not to, not to take it to a weird. No, that's Sarah. That's beautiful place. But uh, yeah, I get a little emotional always listening to it. But it's also very good to sort of, if I'm trying to write uh, something that's like complicated and I'm not confident that I can pull it together just talking about tv but feeling like whatever larger point i'm trying to make is important to be precise there is something focusing about this song mm. 
that's like, well, these are a lot of pretty big concepts, like, you know, birth of the Christ child, doom of the Christ child, roses, prophecy, there's a lot going on. And it, it sort of is like the subconscious uh, um, encouragement. It's like, okay, you could pull this story thread together. So yeah. Gosh, the uh, way you expressed that was so lovely. The idea that how do we move forward holding hope and tragedy in, our, in us at the same time? Yeah, and singing is how? Okay, sure. Like that sort of Wordsworthian idea that that was the first language or the first communication was to sing. I don't know. Yeah, oh, God, great. Sarah. Well, that makes me think about actually some of the other more spiritual Christmas songs that I find very moving. One of the reasons I find Oh Holy Night so powerful is that musically, when the, when the lyrics say, fall on your knees, the music itself falls, mm-hmm. and it is the sound of reverence to me. Yeah. Like the music itself directs our voices to go down in the way that our knees are meant to hit the floor. And there's something so humble to me about a song that soars up so high to have made space to go so low. I just find that incredibly powerful. Like there's this reminder that before we can have the ecstasy of celebration, we have to have the humility of obeisance. Yeah. And I just think. No matter what you call God, you know, I'm, I'm not even saying that you necessarily have to believe in any particular religion, but I do think that there is something that all of us have to come to terms with as human beings in the world where we are in the presence of something larger than us, just our, larger than our individual selves, just by being alive. Like yeah. the actual fact of life is bigger than any one life. Yeah. And the reminder that sometimes you need to humble yourself before that, and then only then can you maybe find the freedom to praise it is incredibly, I'm getting really emotional too, but I just, and then it also makes me think about. And that hymn I think is my second favorite because there was especially, um, it was like the last piece that we would perform. So that meant that all the preparation was over and then there was like one bullshit school day left and then you were done. Right. But the way it's constructed, there was like this lone voice Mm. Um, I actually think it works better as an arrangement with all men versus all teenage girls. But this, you know, lone high voice that then we would all come in. She was like down in front of us Mm. and her like heavenly host was behind her that the way that it's the way that it's put together to, you know, have the individual, but then also the group. And, you know, humanist that I am, uh, I guess that would be one word to describe the various beliefs I carry around with me. There's something about knowing that human beings created these sounds and this mm-hmm. arrangement of sounds. And, and like when we, when human beings contemplate these types of things, sometimes this gorgeous music is the result. Ah, yeah. Then other times, however... <laughs> The result yeah, there, is there's there's no good way out of this. Uh, there's no there's no soft transition to what's no, coming next. We're just gonna have to jump straight out of this cave, and into the river. So of if, Christina, if you'd like to hear the opposite of everything that we were just talking about, how about the Christmas song (parentheses holiday remix) by Christina Aguilera? Uh, before we even start, let's just listen to a sample.
Why, why, why is this? Why? So I will why, just say first, to... let me ask you this. Yes. Is there, is this like reconnoiter where no one ever says connoiter and there was no original song? It was only the holiday remix. <laughs> it's such a great and fair question. No, there actually is an original non non groovy quote unquote version but my non friend groovy my friend jeremy who's actually in the empire city men's chorus neither here nor there he's the one who turned me on to this abomination oh, um jeremy. so it has everything that we've already talked about that we hate it has the unnecessary vocal acrobatics oh my god like it pauses itself a couple times so that she can do it and let me tell you guys this this song is like four and a half minutes long this was less than 30 seconds. If you think that you've heard all of the unnecessary vocal ticks that she can throw in, no. you haven't. You can listen, if you dare. The other thing that I find so just hilariously terrible about this is that this quote-unquote beat in the background, it is clearly designed to be on the playlist of a Coles. Yes. Like, it's just... Yes. It, it clearly was created to be background noise at a at a shopping center or, like, or a TJ Maxx. It's not in the store at the mall. It's in the mall yes, proper to it's in keep the, you moving. It's in the communal it's areas in the of the mall. parking lot. You're like, oh my fucking God. In one way that it keeps you moving is you need to get away from that sound. It, it oh is. This is the God. quintessence of soullessness to me. And it is, it's, it's actually hilariously terrible to me. I, I, I feel like there are a couple of moments in this, even in this clip, where you can hear her kind of cheating it. Like realizing, <laughs> like she's halfway through a run and she's like, "I'm bullshit." Like I know, I God, because also of I all just, songs. And how old is this song? Because I feel like to present day Christina would just be like, "Nah." Yeah, this is early, like right around the first album. It was like her first album. Then they made her release a Spanish album. Then they made her release a holiday. It's when she's still in the complete grip of the machine, right? Um, but it's, and also oh the Christmas song, like this is the no. song that you're soulfully riffing on. No child. No, very much. No. So, um, um speaking of songs that we don't care for, well, I think you have another one in mind. Oh, do I? Um, look, I love most of the Bing Crosby Christmas album, um, because Bing Crosby, like, uh, the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra, um, is right in my vocal wheelhouse. I mm. can sing along. Mm-hmm. This is the last song on his notorious Christmas album. Um, Christmas and Killarney is probably worse. With than... all of the folks at home. But, we listen to this album every year at my family Christmas gatherings, by the way. Only because my uncle rewrote it to say it's Christmas and Killarney with all of you fucks at home. <laughs> that, uh, thank you, Uncle Cliff. That um, that at least is like, <laughs> like there's a dad joke in it. Right. Meli Kalikimaka is one of the worst earwigs. I think it's worse than Edelweiss. And I think it's worse than Soldier Boy. And you're only really allowed to have it stuck in your head for like a month, a year. Mm. And on top of that, this arrangement, the song, I think, is like two and a half minutes long. It feels like five minutes. <laughs> I mean, it feels like a week. And the Andrews sisters, it's just everything about that era of entertainment that's like and now my guest pudgy the chimp wearing a fez that you're like <laughs> that there's this like unacceptably ersatz dirty pale blue 
like fake tree with white balls on it quality to it that sometimes is charming but this is not one of those cases let's listen to a clip because you're all going down with me <laughs> here we know that christmas will be green and bright the sun to shine by day and all the stars at night is a wise way to say Merry Christmas, a very Merry Christmas, a very, very Merry Merry Christmas to you. I mean, my theory about this song also is that Melikalikimake is not actually how anyone in Hawaii says Merry I Christmas. I have never looked it up because I kind of want it to be one of those things where like, someone asks to get a Chinese character tattooed on them, and then it turns out that it's fart. <laughs> Speaking of, I think I may have accidentally just belched into my microphone, and I think that sums up a lot of my response well, yes, to this. The fact that Sorry, my, y'all. <laughs> my brother one time was putting the star on our parents' tree, and I was standing next to the ladder. You could probably see where this is going. He farted in my face, which, like, whatever. That's just being a bunting. Someone's farting on someone else somewhere. It's happening in this building right now. <laughs> that he then started Even if singing. It's the cat. That wasn't the problem. He then started singing Smelly Kalikimaka. Yes. Are the words to say when you fart in Sarah's fucking face? And I was just like, I, nope. I want to destroy you. I want to destroy everything. En conclusion. Sugar Bingle is great. Um, and this is I, a great album, too. I with... actually had pushed this whole album out of my mind, and I was going to um, talk about Karen Carpenter's I'll Be Home for Christmas because it is so profoundly depressing and dark <laughs> because it's Karen Carpenter. But then I was looking for the original, and then I was like, oh, yeah. Smelly Kaliki <laughs> Yep. Let's move on well now it's time for our other favorites oh I, thank god Hi, my, my choice for my other favorite is in some ways the most obvious choice but i don't care because this song it's mariah carey's all i want for christmas is you it is arguably the only christmas song written since 1990 that everyone knows now it's the only contemporary standard that has come out of christmas that has come to the christmas canon in in 25 years i just feel like this song is so effortless, so joyous. The 60s retro sound of it uh -huh. is perfect. The vocal is, it's before she blew her voice out. The the lyrics are really cute. They're like, you know, there's that I, there's that tradition of blue Christmas and all of those, like I'm lonely at Christmas, but Mariah Carey's lyrics sort of turn that on its head a little bit. And there's this hopefulness to it that I really like. There's uh, the, the, yeah, the- There is something about her. She does sound really like, she does do a couple runs, but it's Mariah. It's fine. Right. Um, but there is this, like, quality to her voice where it's almost like her throat is closing up for being excited. Just yeah. like a real person. And it was like, oh, you. Well, let's listen now to a clip.
So the reason I chose this clip is I just love the bridge of this song, and I love the is you. I mean, it's just so satisfying. And yeah, I just think this song is so much fun, and it puts me in such a great mood. And I do think that not unlike Brenda Lee, who had tons of hits in her day, but is now, I think, only known for rocking around the Christmas tree. Right. This is the only song of Mariah Carey's that anyone is going to remember in 20 years. Probably it's one of the only songs that people remember now. But yeah. I feel like if this is all she is remembered for, this is a great contribution, and I love this song. Um, I agree. Uh, this is one of those songs that, like, I wouldn't seek it out, and it comes on the radio, and I'm like, all right, this doesn't make me want to claw my face off like wonderful Christmas time, so let's just leave it on. But then by the end, you're totally singing along. Totally. Um, Toe tapping, finger snapping. And I, I do like that vintage feel to it, that it has that, like, jingle bell rock, like, sound to mm-hmm. it, like, the way it physically sounds. So, and I just love that she, there's... I'm always rooting for her. I don't know why it is, but like I found out a few years ago that she's my height. Mm. You wouldn't think she would be tall, Mm-mm. but there's something about like, you'd think she would be this little like Pomeranian of a person, but she's, she's like a big shit stomper like me. And uh, I was like, I don't know, like something about that sort of like made me give her my heart a little bit in a mm. way that like I don't tend to listen to a lot of Mariah but just knowing that she's like sort of crammed into the booth the same as <laughs> us other folk over five foot six I don't know this song was really fun I just like how much fun she's having and how she really seems to be like sincerely excited about Christmas and about this guy or girl or dog or whatever yeah yeah that it's it's very charming because the fact of the matter is I get excited about Christmas too and like I, I just want to get excited about Christmas with a song like this yeah and by Jingo. Especially with, um, by Jingle, especially with what you were talking about before, about that, like, cynicism, that, like, you get the feeling that she, like, barged into someone's office in, like, August and was like, oh, my gosh, I have this great idea for a Christmas song. And they're like, whatever, girl, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Versus, like, someone being like, all right, pick eight standards. We'll have someone, we'll have Quincy Jones write you two new ones. And right. Just <laughs> get through this and we can go back to drinking martinis, like... Well, or, I feel or, like this might have been her idea and that she was, like, totally about it, so. Totally. And now, uh, I believe you have one more hot hit. I do. Um, yeah, it's it's about as hot as a war bond. I'm really kicking it uh, very classic um, today. This hot is the Boston Pops version of Sleigh Ride, mm. um, which just, it is so, evo- well, let's listen to a clip first. It's so evocative of that feeling of being a kid and about like reading people's about people's Christmases from olden times, quote unquote, and uh, just that that smell of when it's about to snow and that feeling of like waking up and, you know, when you're 
when you get up, Santa's going to have come and all the special food and your grandma's visiting and your mom can't really, you know, complain about it that much. Although she totally will. Like all the <laughs> great and terrible things about Christmas are in this song and the like whip cracking and the horse whinnying. And I don't mind the versions with lyrics. Those are fine too. I'm happy to sing along, but I can sing along just as easily with this version, which is an extremely professionally done uh, manipulative advertisement for everything that I love about Christmas. And yeah, I mean, granted, a sleigh ride now is an Uber, but that's okay. You make your own fun. Right. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I'm really glad that you chose an instrumental version of this. And I even listening to the clip right now, I kind of felt cold. Like it just, mm-hmm. it had such a sensory experience. And I yeah, guess you're like one... under a, bl- a horse blanket and yeah. it smells kind of like horse. And you're like, this yeah. is gross, but also primally satisfying. Yeah. And it's like, it does create memories that I, that I'm decades too young to have ever had. Totally. Somehow, but it's so great. And I think that's one of the things that's nice about Christmas too, is that feeling of you're just being steeped in, in generation after generation of, of, coziness yeah and good times and, and that uh, that's the best and it's it's like it's like you said it's it's the moment there is this like collective unconscious of experience of christmas and like smells and feelings and mm-hmm. sounds and um and it's before but it's not about the gifts it's about that hush in the middle of the night and the the rose that perfumes it with sweetness so yeah good times yeah well i think there's no better way to end than on that note because I, we're we're dropping this episode just a few days before Christmas, right? If I'm not mistaken. No, 10 days before Christmas. It'll be the 15th of December when folks mm-hmm. hear this. But you know what? That's 10 days to take in all of the sights, smells, sounds of Christmas's past, present, and future, but not the Christmas future where the evil guy in the shroud points at your grave, but the good yeah, Christmas no, no. future. Not the, not the Dickensian future, but the like... Or the, the Christmas Drones future where... deliver you a fruitcake future. Either that or the, the, the Christmas future where Tiny Tim lives and becomes a pop star. Yes. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Today's theme song was written by Laura Barger and Jack Baldelli. Want to request a song or buy an ad? We'd love that. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, hit us up on our Facebook page, which is mastass.podcast, or tweet at us at TalkSongs. We would also love to nab a top 100 ranking on the iTunes podcast music chart. So if you like the show, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a good review. It helps our numbers and it makes us feel like we have a purpose in this cold, cruel world. (laughs) Till next time, this is Sarah. This is Mark. And this this is Mark and Sarah Sarah talk about songs. Good enough, sister.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.